0: let say that today I'm having a gas with Sophie Lewis, who is the Chief Strategy Officer here at MNC Saatchi. Not the other one with the same name, <laughs> which uh, Sophie was happy to see that I was—I knew the distinction we were in the lift.
1: Not many people do. Yeah. No,
0: I imagine, um, because I'm basically in my first proper job ever. And I have been for five years, but before yeah. that I was a waiter. And so what happens is you get into it and you think, the problems you're facing are the first time anyone's ever faced them, yeah, and so yeah. we start kind of having wars with our partners and leadership team. Ah, oh, no, this is going to drive people away. This is really bad. I can't imagine what kind of conversations yeah. like that were happening when the Saatchi brothers said, "You know what? We're just going to set up another agency with the same names." That I mean, the Saatchi and Saatchi people must be going. How are we going to tell the difference? People are going to yeah,
1: come to-? yeah. I, I don't know. I would, I would. It's one of those ones that I would. God, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. It was funny because I was in a meeting with Murray, who's our group CEO, yep. uh, the other day. And he was actually talking, about, we were talking about the agency as a whole and where it's going. And he was talking about um, starting M&C. And they sat around, I think somebody's, in somebody's house, somebody's kitchen and gone, okay, well, what, what do we want to be? But yeah, the, the name is a fascinating thing, I think. I mean, it's also fascinating because, of course, there's Saatchi and Saatchi and MC and Saatchi, but... It's the only advertising agency that people not in advertising have e- have ever heard of, apart from um, Sterling
0: Cooper, but yeah, a real yeah, right, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and maybe maybe yeah. McCann because of Mad Men. Yeah, but maybe that's it.
1: McCann because of Mad Men. And you know, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was used to kid myself slightly that people had heard of BBH, but I don't really think they had. It was just because I worked there for a long time and my parents kn- knew what it was. And but, everyone um, knew all the
0: work in the '90s. BBH yeah. was cool.
1: Oh God, yeah. I mean, it was the it it was a uh, yeah. It was it was it was. I don't know if I would say cool, but it it was, yeah. I mean, it produced <laughs> the best, the, as far as I was concerned. Not, not that that was any work to do with me, but uh, largely. But it was producing the best work consistently. Yeah. Um, Levi's and Audi always. Come oh to mind. my god! And yeah, yeah, you know, it was it was on an epic roll that lasted many many years.
0: And of course, from the Saatchi family tree, because John Haggerty. Sir John yeah. was uh, Saatchi's first art director, and everybody
1: he? came from. You know, it's a real, it's, it's still, which is a sad thing, actually, and now is finally changing. But it is an incredibly, it's an incredibly small world, and so you sort of meet people and talk to them and you know, you always sort of go back over there where they've worked and who they've worked with. And there's always there's always somebody in common and somebody always comes from somewhere. And I think people get their ideas for agencies and how they want agencies to be from being in other places, right? You go somewhere and you go, yeah, okay, this is interesting. I like the way this is working or I like the way they did that or I like the way they did whatever. Mm-hmm. And that forms, yeah, what happens when you go off and eventually if you do start your own agency.
0: That's really, really interesting. Uh- That's a very, very topical perspective because um, one thing I'm trying to be careful not to do is to... Um, harness these discussions into an attempt just to talk about my business, but of course I only <laughs> feel free. It's I only, fine, you don't know worry. my perspective. Yeah, it's like yeah. t- MNC Saatchi brings the audience, and I can talk about gas. No, yeah. uh, none of us were ever in this industry ever. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, set yeah. up in 2016, completely blind and had to learn everything the hard way. Yeah, you, the, what you just described was that generally people hop about, pick up habits, see what they like, see what they don't like, and try yeah. and make a new agency out of all of the best things that they did like. Some yeah. of them are tremendously successful. BBH was one uncommon appear to be doing pretty well at the moment. Yeah, they are, yeah, incredibly well. And so, um, yeah. And I
1: think you do, I don't know, over time. And again, I mean, there are people who, for whom, I don't know, I think that, that idea of setting up their own thing is in their head for a long time. Yes. And what you're doing when you're in other agencies is you are, you're just, you're kind of a magpie and you're going, yeah, I think this works, this doesn't work. And if I were to do that myself, this is how I would do it. That's mm. an interesting thing. I mean, I went to, I went from BBH to mother and sort of mother were always the agency who who sort of did it differently. I hate, I hate doing that, but you know what I mean? Doing it differently and they didn't have account people and and it felt very free. I mean, sometimes to me, that's where I became a strategist actually I'd been an account person at at BBH it felt to me as though it was a you know you were too free like you sort of at Mother I always thought you could sort of sink or swim and you were left to your own devices sometimes to a scary extent whereas at BBH there would be a whole raft of people around you holding you up and you know keeping you afloat and checking that you were sort of okay and at Mother you sort of just were, were sort of thrown in at the deep, certainly back in in my day, sort of thrown in and, you know, you made it work or you didn't.
0: Was Mother founded in 08 or did I get oh, that wrong? Oh, God,
1: no. They must be more. I mean, I I've, certainly there was something in the press relatively recently about maybe 20 years or 25 years. So what's right. that make it? So probably earlier, slightly earlier than that.
0: Maybe 08. There's no point just me speculating about stuff. Maybe I that was when remember. Hermetti and Anna came in. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You see,
1: I, they're my... So when I was at Mother, hmm. I worked on Boots and uh mainly Boots. And there's Creative Director was a guy called Damon Collins. And uh Is that the...
0: Uh, he started his own thing, he joint. He did, joint, yep. correct.
1: Oh, you've you've got your knowledge up fast. <laughs> um he was brilliant and he ran Boots, he ran it sort of pretty much autonomously. So Robert Savile, one of the founders of his Mother, didn't really get involved. That's brilliant. So Damon sort of did it all and he kind of did it, he he formed my opinion totally of how one should run. Uh, retail business because he saw everything, he was involved in everything, and I think it was him really who made me, I don't know, understand what my own views on how you run retail were. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Anna and Hametti were a placement team. Mm. Um, fuck, sorry, I swore. We're probably not supposed to swear. Sorry, sure I, I do again. as much as you they were say. on. Place, I don't know how long their replacement team. I mean, now I suspect that wouldn't happen because you can't keep people on placement
0: teams. I oh think, yeah, this was back in the. Oh God!
1: I mean, the, I don't. Yeah, I'm trying days. to work out what years I was at Mother. I, somewhere I have a list because I wrote them all down because they were. This when the London
0: media scene had a reputation for getting people on placement forever, Yeah,
1: probably, and they. I think they got paid, but they got paid a tiny amount.
0: Well, they've made it back now because they're now the ECDs at Wide and and they
1: were, and, and they came and they just hung on in there and they did the work and. And Anna was a I used to marvel at them being a husband and wife team because yep. who wants to work with your <laughs> husband or wife? I mean, shit. Sometimes uh, you don't even want to get home to them. But. Yeah, exactly. Quite. And and Anna had been a Anna wasn't hadn't trained as a creative. She was a, I think a physiotherapist. Yep. And they were just the most delightful team. They worked their asses off. And then and so I was completely thrilled for them that when they became um Uber, Uber. ECDs or Chief Creative Officers or whatever they were of yep. Mother. and they were delightful to work with. They yep. were just wonderful.
0: He was a, um, was one of the first, let's say, um, I don't know, one of the first, but he was a big hitter who I did a Zoom interview with back okay. in lockdown days. Okay, And I was good. like, hey, okay, it's going to be the big king of advertising. And he was just the sweetest guy. Yeah. We just talked about he's, America and the UK yeah. and The Office and films. Oh, he's just
1: delightful. They both are completely delightful people. Yes. So, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, again, I haven't seen them for quite a while. I saw hermetia at a drinks thing a few years pre-lockdown. Mm-hmm. still delightful. But yeah, they're, no egos, nothing. They were just lovely people who were interested in doing great work.
0: So let's go back to that thing about the Boots account and Mother. So for yeah. one thing that's interesting about that, uh, there was a couple of angles. Let's first look at the fact that you said Robert Saville, founder and presumably like, you know, controlling partner of a huge, very, very successful multi-multi-million pound agency with a huge, huge account a, I don't know, do you, do you use words like a triple A brand or something like that, something that's a big... Yeah, I
1: wouldn't call it a triple A, but I would just say, I mean, it was a flagship. It's a flagship, flagship still band. a flagship piece of bit. You know, yes. every agency in London would, being... or, or, or you know, however, not just London, right, beyond London, yeah. would want to work on Boots, I, I think. Of course. Um,
0: and to be able to be the, you know, the, the, the owner and founder and say, it's okay, a hands off, you look after that.
1: Yeah. That's it's, courageous. It was pretty clever. I always think, I mean, Robert is an incredibly clever man. And I always thought that the talent, the, the real talent in Mother was the hirings that they, the creative hirings that they made. Yeah. When I arrived, it really, it, there were a lot of, and I hadn't worked with teams like this before, I don't think really, Brazilians and, and Scandinavian teams. Yeah. There was this really, uh, yeah, they seemed Fusion to proliferate. Brazilian. And the Scandinavians were quite weird. And the Brazilians were sort of, Brazilian. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to sort of uh, talk in stereotypes at all. But they were very, they thought differently. Their ideas, how creatively, that, thought they thought differently, yeah. and it, and it just, I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. Oh, and the, the Scandinavian's art direction was like nothing I'd ever seen before. They were just, it wasn't even Scandinavian. It was just, it was just incredible. They
0: saw differently. Than yeah, we do. they
1: just saw differently, and they thought differently, and it was just, yeah. you know, it just blew my mind. Yes. how creative they were yep. and how that perspective just brought different ideas yes um and yeah i mean and and i think the skill in robert was where he went to find teams and the type of people he brought into the business. Was there
0: a method, or did he? I don't know. Discover- I don't know.
1: I just don't know. Mm. I don't know how he found these teams at all, actually. Yeah. At that, in the, at that point, I was a, you know, I was just, just a strategist working on boots, and I just sort of turned up, and I, I was in a, you know, an, and and Mother's quite, it doesn't, it doesn't actually tout itself around town that much. That's the other thing. I thought Robert did incredibly cleverly. It had this total mystique and kind of, you know, air about it of of being different, but you didn't know anything about it really. It was like sort of almost impenetrable, unless you worked there, it was sort of impenetrable and people thought, oh my God, it's so cool. What are they doing? I was not very cool when I went there and probably (laughs) in a a fairly uncool phase of my life, (laughs) uh, in fact. But And you got there and it wasn't, people weren't sort of intimidatingly cool, but they were, there were... Great ideas going yeah. on and great thinking and um and it really was a place that sort of opened my mind to not just types of ideas but even the way of work, like I loved the fact it was one great big yes. room, and we didn 't have off you know you got shunted around, and I just loved I loved that I thought it was incredibly sensible i suppose but
0: not to be too rigid and linear
1: yeah and also just to be much freer in how you sat i was thinking it's funny i was thinking about boots and the other day i was talking about work that i'd worked on and i was thinking about peter and susan who are now the some global what nots of mother global ecds or something and they're brilliant both i'm gonna say australian but i actually think they're from new zealand and they're probably i hope that they're, they're probably never we've covered to it, both bases so it, it won't matter <laughs> But um, they were the team who wrote a film called Here Come the Girls, which was a, a quite relatively well-known piece of work for Boots. And I remember hearing it and they came. In those days, they had a tape recorder, you know, one of those portable yeah, ones. Yeah. That, I don't know if you know what a tape recorder
0: <laughs> Oh, yes. I'm old enough to know. <laughs>
1: uh, and like that. And they put this tape in and it was Ernie K. Doe, Here Come... It was that track. And they pressed play and then they read the script, and the script, honestly, I don't think it changed at all. In yeah. the pro, it was very, very rare that that was. They read this script and we presented it, and the clients bought it. And we pitched it the same way. You just put the music on, played and read it. played it, played the track, and in research, did the same. Played the track, and it. And I would say to everyone, it researched better than any piece of work I've ever uh, researched. Yeah. Uh, be, um, before or since. And was, yeah,
0: I can testify to that because when you said boots. Uh, you didn't even tell me the campaign, and the song got stuck in my head. Yeah, I mean it was incredible, remarkable. and
1: for me that was an incredible. And I just remember, so this tape recorder, and we sat. I remember exactly, in Mother, where we were sitting, and um, yeah, it was it was phenomenal.
0: Those kind of uh, campaigns, um, where the song and particularly the lyrics to the song are actually integral to um, the. The end the the whole thing. Yeah. Uh I haven't been on yet on the negotiating end, um, <laughs> representing an agency of something that big. Yeah. And I imagine that I mean, how do you how do you play it? Because they're like, you need this song, you need the lyrics for this yeah. to work. I
1: mean, I don't I, I have to admit that that's not a thing that I do myself or have any skill in. But um I think I was thinking about it recently because of old because of old Kate Bush and um yeah, Stranger Things, yep. and the fact that she said yes. Yes, I mean, I for me, she's one of those another mythical. I didn't get to see her in her last tour. My um, sister annoyingly got one ticket, and I, I think I would just had. I've got twins, and I just had them, so I wasn't really in a state to go to London and probably listen to Kate Bush. But my sister is it from
0: Brighton, yeah, from so Brighton, a swog and, anyway. uh, yeah,
1: and and I thought, and she phoned me and she said, "I've I've got a ticket," and I was like. Oh, and I thought she, I honestly thought that she was not telling me the truth and she had bought me t- a ticket secretly and she was going to give it to me for my birthday, which in fact did not materialize. So she <laughs> had just got one ticket. Anyway, oh. I just think that sort of the Kate Bush, who is notorious obviously for not letting her tracks be used on any old shit, yep. and very sensible she is too. Yep. Um,
0: because now that one use has exploded yeah, the whole career. And she apparently
1: again. I read a little thing about and she read the or she was a watch she was a fan of stranger things or they sent her the episode or whatever and she went yeah this is yeah. That'll do. that fine. Yes. But I love that I, I think the difficulties come of course they do when you don't have equity on each side of of creative content, right? When something is a brilliant thing and both parties can see it's a brilliant thing, yes. for me that just becomes a I don't know. I imagine from the artist's point of view, they go, Yeah, okay. It the problems always come, of course, and the money, I imagine, and the negotiation and the, the pain of the negotiation comes when there is a discrepancy on on the side of the artist, and they go, "Well, I, you know, I'm sort of half tempted because you're offering to pay me X amount of money, but actually, it's 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 not very good." Mm. Um, yeah. and I imagine that happens all, all the time.
0: And I, th- I think um, the other angle to that is that n- I think naively people trying to procure music for a campaign or for a film or TV show yeah. think that the money alone will do it. Yeah, and this is what you're saying yeah. about Kate Bush yeah. is yeah. artistic yeah. integrity always yeah. came first.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that's a mistake that we we make a lot. I mean, I've, I always find it interesting in the sort of um, the process that we go through. Again, it's not a process I go through, but when we take scripts and ideas to directors, of course, what really dictates whether a director is going to do a job or not is how good they fit. I mean, OK, there's money involved, but you know, you know that when there is something brilliant in front yes. of you, you know that a director is going to say, Oh my, i my! I I want to do that. If
0: they're worth their salt, they always put the yeah, creative product Yeah, of course they the do, budget. because it's
1: going, you know, or they have a vision, for, you know, that's the other thing I think about. I was thinking back to, um, I mean, BBH, BBH interestingly, in this discussion, for me, they were, the, they were the kings and queens of music. That was the other, I mean, it was...
0: Well, they sent things to number one, didn't they? I mean, yeah, all
1: the time. Levi's was, you know, regularly, like and I remember I didn't work on it, but they had this brilliant campaign for... Actually the ad was sort of yeah, it was kind of good. But they actually for links for acts, they uh, the 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 brief was about um choosing a piece of music that would get to number one. And it was a track called such that thing that there was a guy who was used to dance with it. I can't remember even what it's called. Was I it could the sing one that, it for you, but I'm not gonna is sing it, it for you. I
0: like to party. Yes, <laughs> that one. Yeah. yeah
1: everybody's own.
0: Amazing. Yeah, and we brilliant, watch, brilliant
1: track. We watched um,
0: that ad a couple of years ago. We'd be like, they could, we wouldn't be allowed to make that now. No,
1: no. I mean, in fact, the whole Link Spectre's slightly sort of, you know, uh, become a little trickier. Spray but... it
0: on you and girls will chase after <laughs> you was the idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the best first step in the mating game or however they described it. But I mean, and that I found that incredibly interesting because I can remember, I wasn't involved in it, but I know that the process was, was uh, very carefully managed between them and a record company. I think it had gone to, they went to a record company and said, we want to put a track on this piece of music that is going to go to number one. And I thought that approach to, to certainly a brand like Links acts was an incredible one. Yeah, I mean, and 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 then of course it did. And your
0: radio airplay is still selling at the same time. Yeah, and now
1: I mean, again, I was I read with interest, sort of occasionally, bits about how new artists come about and how music promotion. I mean, I know nothing about it. It's not my area of expertise at all. But I do understand that the world is kind of changing in relation to how one makes a hit i'd call it a record well but... we're
0: clearly in a period of chaos at the moment with regards to the media channels yeah and i think what's happening is people are trying to dupe the model that you were describing there just in social media so people yeah. are always saying uh, to us how can we make something go viral on tiktok i'm like unfortunately you're just not in control of that process
1: no anymore and i find that really interesting i mean i obviously i'm a i'm a sort of somewhat distant TikToker I would describe myself as. But yep. I um there were a couple of bits in Lockdown, obviously, that I, along with, you know, however many other millions of people found incredibly the, the one I think of most is a Icelandic band called Deo Freer. Who, I'm afraid I'm not well uh, you'll up know the to tell song. Yep. The song is called Think About Things and it's the song that everybody did a TikTok to where they just jogged up and down.
0: Our videographer, Chris, is nodding away because I yeah. I can, play, I can <laughs> find it to you
1: and play it. It's an incredible pop track. It yeah. really, really is. It's also got a slightly weird video. I think they're, I don't know why, but I think they're Icelandic. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a little bit, actually, of that. We should probably talk about the Ocean Spray thing. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but um, there's a new ad for Ocean Spray. Is this yours? Oce- no, 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 no. It's by okay. an agency now called Orchard, and it's American. Okay and it has, it's the sort of first bit of work under a guy called Dave Colbert's new job. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's... Uh, was it's, he from Droger? Correct, yes. Well, well worked out. Dave Colbert, he's ex-mother. Right. I knew him at Mother, and uh, he um, was very good then, and he's since then had an incredible career. Went, I think, to America, to Goodby, and then to BBH, and then to Droger and then now is, is wound up back in the States working with a guy called Barney Robinson, who used to work on acts at BBH back right. in the day. So these things what come around, world. don't they? Very mm. small world. Um, but the bit of work that everybody's talking about this week is this ad for I think it's Ocean Spray Cranberries. Yep. They now come in cranberry juice form, jelly form, which the ad is really for because it's an ad about a bunch of people sitting around a table at Thanksgiving. And all that happens in this ad, go away and watch it, you, you will laugh, is that there's, a, again, it looks quite weird. It's quite um stylized sort of table. The people are incredibly serious. It reminds me a bit of this Icelandic group who I think you pronounce Deo Freer, uh, That in their facial expressions and the, what they're wearing. And they're all sitting around this very quite formal-looking dining table, all completely still. And then somebody brings in a tray of three just... It's just been dumped out from the can, three wobbling jelly versions of this cranberry juice and it starts wobbling and it wobbles and the people start wobbling and this banging track starts and the, I can't remember who the banging track is by. I did look it up, but it's incre- It's a classic dance track and all that that's all that happens. These people then go about wobbling in quite a sort of, Not even not a rhythm, not a sort of dancey way, just in a bit bonkers, wobbly, random way, and that that's the ad. Right. Um. And it's quite classic, Dave. I would say. I don't think he wrote it. Obviously, he's a creative director, but it's quite um, it's quite American in that sort of uh, absurdist sort of uh, bit weird genre that tends to come out of America, bit skittles bit sort of oh, uh, what was it
0: the starburst berries and cream yeah, thing, yeah and
1: sort of um you know taste the rainbow where they make those sort of slightly there are a few brands in the states that make quite odd uh unusual sort of advertising where would they you sort you put of use,
0: old spice in that category when they did the big probably re-launch? old
1: spice yeah probably i would yes yeah, slightly ridiculous you can end
0: with the line i'm on a horse yeah no <laughs>
1: i mean a brilliant a brilliant brilliant classic classic piece of work so, yeah, Small World and music, you know, uh, yeah, I was thinking back to BBH and I think I either, I don't think I arrived at BBH, but I started working on Levi's mm-hmm. just as they were finishing making an ad which we called Odyssey. I don't know what people call it in the world, probably the one where people run through walls. <laughs> and it's yes. a brilliant ad. It's probably still, well, there are two from BBH that are my favourite of all time and both of them are because of the music. Um, it's a classical piece of music I had a Weirdly. feeling was it kind of stringy and yeah. agitated and there were two there were two classical music tracks I think there was maybe the director's cut and the director was um, Jonathan Glazer
0: yes of course
1: uh, of course mm. um, I was only
0: talking about him yesterday at TBWA as well
1: I mean yeah this ad and I think the team were a team called Anton Um. Deck no sadly not Deck should know this Anton Mike. Anton, No, I know Anton Mike as well from my AMV days who were creative directors at um, uh, um, Adam and Eve. This is
0: just becoming a who do you know shootout. I know, it's really, um, really annoying. Anyway, whatever, (laughs) the
1: team, sorry, Anton, whoever your other one is. Gavin. Anton Gavin. Anton Gavin. yeah, I think that's right. Both of them, I think, now working in America, interestingly. And I think the rumour had it, I didn't see the script, but the rumour was that they'd written a script and it just said there are two people and they run through walls. That's it. And that was, the, and, and room, the rumor, room, I mean, that's probably doing it down horribly, but they probably crafted a beautiful thing. Well, but, I've seen um, the
0: storyboards for uh, British Airways Face by Saatchi-Ann Saatchi Ansarji. Oh, yeah. And again, it can be that simple sometimes. Yeah. I think they sketched it over lunch and was like, I don't know, people put it together like people that. People
1: come together and yeah. whatever. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And then I think, you know, I, I mean, I, and I do think the, the vision for work can come from anywhere, but often directors bring a thing that nobody. Mm. Could ever have imagined. Yeah,
0: and also uh, with great commercials, one thing I've uh, become more cognizant of, is, uh, cognizant of, is that um, I like—I always imagine they just come together seamlessly and they happen and i read (laughs) read about the making of guinness surfer and it's like a 12 month you know there's a pitch there's a brief there's a response and then the thing that apparently glazer had his head in his hands at the edit suite at one point it was just like it's so shit it's just all (laughs) shit and it became the the best of all time
1: yeah i mean i can imagine i don't know i've never worked or had any contact with jonathan glazer so but i can imagine he's probably uh a, a Something of a perfectionist and uh, yeah agonizes over yep. uh, every minute detail, which I suspect is part of what makes him you know com- completely brilliant. Yeah, but yeah, certainly those uh, surfer and the sort of classic Guinness, you know, again it's a the sort snail of, race a sort is of, great. Yeah, sort of amazing, amazing uh, tranche, I suppose, of work. Yeah, that was both conceived brilliantly, but then execute, you know, executed incredibly. But as you say, these things take, oh, my God, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. You sort of imagine uh, my husband works or it did work, he looks after our kids, but did work in TV and edits documentaries. And we often compare the amounts of money and amounts of time mm. involved relatively between making, I don't know, a whatever big- it might be, a number of episodes of something to run on TV and a 30-second a tv commercial with some degree of hilarity. Yeah. But uh but yes, I cannot deny that when when a brilliant idea and then an, an extraordinary execution and then usually a vision for mute for how music often will will make a thing. Yeah. Um, that that is an incredible thing and it happens you know for something that sounds quite simple it happens incredibly infrequently yes. which is you know we're all in it so that's it's the holy grail isn't it
0: yeah and you have seen um, the you've seen the transformation uh, in your working life I imagine the one thing I, when I'm having when I'm venturing down a sentence like this one, I'm always trying not to make implications about anyone's age. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine
1: Don't worry, I'm forty nine, I shall be fifty in April. So you make all the uh all the all the comments you like. Wonderful. About that. You're gonna yeah. throw a big
0: party here at M and <laughs> hope so. I
1: would imagine I'll be taking my children to, you know, have a McDonalds or something something like that. Brilliant. Pretty 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 exciting. An M and C
0: Donalds. Yeah. But um the um, thing you will have seen in your working life, the transformation from when um, media, and I mean I mean specifically, you know, the actual output, the posters, the tapes, the reels, were expensive to produce yeah. and time-consuming to ship around. Yeah. And thus,
1: oh, yeah.
0: trying out music on something, you, it would have to clear a very, very big sort of taste test before it got anywhere near the edit. Now you can just download crap from YouTube any old day. Do you think it's made it harder how much easier it is to get hold of everything and throw it together? And everyone can have Premiere, everyone can have...
1: Oh, it's a really good question. I mean, I think the thing for me that that strikes me more and more is that even though everyone can kind of have a go... Mm -hmm. Brilliance is still incredibly tiny. You know, yeah. the, the proportion of brilliance, I think, in any form of content, so in that I'm including film, um, TV, advertising. Yep. I mean, TV maybe has given given pathways to people. That just didn't exist before, or mm-hmm. access points, I suppose, or maybe access to people has been something that's made it. You know, I think interesting collaborations have come about because people have seen things that people have done and you that can has, get them
0: on Instagram and direct yeah, message. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and
1: contacts, like I think old um, Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney met on. Twitter or so, you know, they went. Oh, he's funny, she's funny, and boof, yeah. here comes catastrophe. You know what I mean? Those sort of relationships, I think, have been facilitated, but I don't think that has changed the fact that real, real brilliance is still incredibly hard to to get to.
0: You think it's just an absolute number that hasn't changed, and now we don't making-
1: know. It's really interesting, that isn't it? I mean, mm. at the moment, I just think we're in a TV hey. I still think I'm in a TV heyday. You know, I think the amount – there is, of course, uh, you know, I suppose the amount of money put behind it. I'm currently watching a thing that I think is a Netflix original called Love and Anarchy, which is a a Scandinavian thing, uh, which is brilliant. And so I suppose there's the amount of money that is being made available to to produce owned content, which I suspect is, you know, very significant. Yeah. Um, And I guess that is maximising the chances, right? More money into something, more the chances are that you're going to put something brilliant out. I suppose in advertising terms, that's probably gone the other way, actually. Mm. As in budgets become less, production budgets certainly become less because our our clients are aware of what What you can do do with a lot less money. And in some cases people do do that.
0: Right? Yeah, well, I didn't <laughs> realise that we were driving our value down by going around showing people that we can make an 80 orchestra in a computer. <laughs> oh, great, so you can do it for like 500 yeah, quid in no yeah, time at all. Yeah. yeah, and it's
1: really, I find that really interesting, the fact that, yeah, there are these two sort of, that, that is an interesting point, right? And, and I mean, COVID is a really interesting example for me of how in advertising and communications, particularly people delivered things in very short amounts of time under great pressure yeah. and, I think that was both uh, a brilliant thing but also a dangerous thing because, of course, it does, as you say, it sets a precedent and it, it, uh, you know, sets expectations, I suppose. Mm. And I can't help but think that that real brilliant creativity still needs time and space. Oh, yeah. And proper. Yes. I don't know. I want to say, I, I mean, what I do isn't, isn't creative what I do is try to get to places that creative people can take on to something extraordinary but I do have a great deal of course I do right my my the bit I do isn't really neither here nor there right that doesn't hit the outside world what gets to the outside world is a brilliant piece of creative work whatever it might be yeah and I have the utmost respect for the people who are Busy trying to get that to be something something extraordinary.
0: Well, it always gives me uh, reassurance. And uh, sorry, Chris, we'll have to uh, cut this as well. So, if I just asked you to yank the mic a little bit towards you, yeah, nice. of course. Um, and uh, we're back in. Richard Huntington said, um, "I always like to hear the strategist basically uh, saying." That we're facilitating space for the creativity to breathe. Because yeah. uh, Richard said to me on, on, when we uh, when I had a discussion with him that there's a kind of assumption sometimes amongst clients that you can just sprinkle some expensive brand assets on something and it'll just take off. And it's actually it's a more mercurial yeah. brew than that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I, you know, and I think the sort of well, I don't know when we've been talking about this and thinking about it a bit recently when. I think it's people, but it's also skills come together in an agency. It's quite weird. It, it, this will sound a bit hippy-dippy. Mm-hmm. It does feel a bit like magic. Yeah, It's incredibly rare.
0: You couldn't have predicted it.
1: No. And also, I'm not sure you know it when you're in it. Yes. I think you perhaps only know it retrospectively. Yep. And but you but it is sort of palpable and it is often about a group of a smallish group of people who have come to know and trust each other and somehow that that combination of people i don't know i think it brings about freedom and trust and all those things which allow people to have a go yep. and and try things, not worry yeah. if it is a load of old rubbish. I mean, I yes. think you have to get through some rubbish. Yes, before you make anything good. Before you get to anything good Absolutely. and you have to feel able to put ideas out. There. I mean, in the end, I think what we do really is we sort of sit around this will sound really bad to a lot of people. We sit around and we talk about things. Mm-hmm. And then we sit around and watch things and talk about them. And yeah. then we sit around and we listen to things and talk about them. And we hope that that combination yes. and the decisions that are made through those combinations and conversations are going to get to something extraordinary. That is yeah. basically our ambition on a on a, <laughs> da- on a, daily, on a daily basis. Well,
0: again, it's, it's, it's encouraging to hear C-suite people at major agencies talk about this because... Um, one thing I think I mentioned Mad Men in every episode yeah. of How Many Gas that yeah. I do. One yeah. thing that I was impressed that they put their finger on, uh, because it wasn't—I don't think it was made by advertisers.
1: No, um, no, he's not an advert. I don't think he's ever had any. I don't think I can't remember the guy's name. I feel like it's Matthew something. But I, um, I want to
0: say Matthew Weiner. But I, I think check you're
1: right. That. I think you're correct. But yep. yes, I don't think he had ever had a. Advertising role
0: in the same way that the Sopranos people probably never were in organised crime, but um, <laughs> no, correct. And you know, but he
1: is—he was a mad, fanatical researcher. I know that because I read a thing about the costumes and the fact that the women, he wouldn't let them exercise because women in those days didn't have muscles right so they had, to look, so they had to look authentic so you couldn't have arm muscles and you couldn't look as though you had been to the gym because right. those women never that wasn't the would culture done. anyway yeah so i think an obsessive detail that some degree of detail so focus. that may have
0: got passed into the dna of madmen because in the final in the final season and it's in the final episodes and i think i'm not doing spoilers for anyone who happens to be watching this who yeah. hasn't seen it <laughs> um they put their finger on it when don arrives at mccann and the creative is led by research yeah. And you can see the slow march of um, clients, uh, and specifically, the, well, people, clients and agency side whose business is measurements and prediction, yeah. trying to make that the basis of the business, and yeah. and people like yourself are pointing forward the cases. Uh, I, I know that it's a super expensive business, but we just—it—it it, it is mercurial. We yeah. cannot plan. Oh God,
1: yeah. Fame, you can't. You. No, it, in the same way that you can't. I mean, I, I read a brilliant, brilliant quote on—I think it was on LinkedIn, which I sort of hate. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that's a whole other discussion, probably about. I think it was maybe Harvard Business Review talking to Jerry Seinfeld about producing Seinfeld. Mm. And he apparently suffered incredible burnout and was just, is a totally detailed focus. So all the jokes, everything, he's like in there. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he has a partner, maybe, is it Larry David? Also yes, right? anyway, I trying don't,
0: to tighten everything again, up. Again,
1: always, yeah. yeah, fiddling, 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 and it's down to them, right? They're not doing, they didn't, I don't think they did writer's rooms. I don't know, maybe they did and then, but they, whatever, the final detail was them he suffered burnout and this person maybe it was from half Business Review maybe it was just quoted said to him something like oh couldn't you have couldn't you have been more efficient and couldn't can you have used good McKinsey have helped you with that and he says something like a McKinsey creative and the person says no and he says well then no yeah <laughs> And I just think there's, I, I mean, I'm. It's funny because, of course, yeah, I'm a planner, right? It's part of my job is to prove that this mercurial magic has delivered growth for clients. That's that's just a fact, right? Yeah, that's we, we, the ROI. We are doing it in order to grow clients, largely to grow yes. clients' businesses. Yes. But the bit that I think you can't do it, that isn't a science. Is the development of of brilliant ideas, yes. and, it, and it never ever will be.
0: And that's where risk comes into it. Yeah, of I course, had, had of a good- course
1: it's a, of course it's a risk. You you will ne- there will never be guarantees. Yes. And in fact, if anyone offers you a guarantee, I mean they're talking yes. sort of kind of nonsense. Yes, right,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: and the best clients for me are the ones who will know that that is the case, right? And they are they are buying. I think it, it, the best clients with the best agencies are buying this magic and they are buying a better chance. What they're really buying is a better chance of something absolutely incredible c- coming out. Yes. Honestly.
0: Yeah, and... Um... I had a good discussion recently. I won't name the person with whom I was talking because they said, I don't want to... I, I said, you want to do this and have any gas? I said, no, I don't want to say this on the record because oh. I, I want to work again. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, oh, God. <laughs>
0: They're basically saying that the, the indus, this industry has a fundamental disconnect between clients what they're buying and what the talent get into it for. The clients have become more risk averse recently. They want a 1.2% increase on sales year on year. And the creatives get into it wanting to play with their huge budgets to make really inventive stuff. What do you make of
1: that? I mean, it's a really interesting viewpoint. Yes, of course, clients are under more pressure than ever especially They're, right now yeah absolutely oh my gosh yeah yes. right now for those r- under, uh, listening
0: in the future it's uh, October 2022 yeah
1: mistrust <laughs> yeah. has just gone and we're sitting in the middle of incredible cost of living crisis yes. and well I mean I I think it's worse already than 2008 which yeah some the goods I have gone up 40 percent since yes. like April haven't they so. yeah I've never Personally, you never seen anything like it. Um so yes, clients are, and I will probably talk about CMOs and CEOs, are under more pressure than ever. Yep. Um now I think this is where you get you get back to really what is communication for? And I, you know, I we've been talking a lot about this recently. And I I sort of say that if people don't notice your communications in the first place, you might as well take your money and set it on fire.
0: <laughs> yep. Because yep. that's
1: effectively what you're doing, making something that goes out into the world that nobody <sighs> even notices. Yep. And as we know, there's some figure, Guy Bradbury who works here with me, is an ECD says says it's 86% or something i've read varying figures which say that is the percentage of communications that is totally missed by yep. e- everyone in the world yep. now if i'm a client i'm going yeah that that's that's pretty bad isn't it and if i want to materially affect my business surely the first thing i'm going to think about is actually getting people to notice the thing that i am spending Millions of pounds on. Yes. That seems incredibly sensible to me. Yes. That that the risk really in the world is that nobody notices what you've done, and yep. therefore their chances of doing anything about what you've what you're suggesting that they do or don't do are precisely none because they haven't noticed what it is you put out there in the world in the this first is place. why
0: sometimes brands don't mind bad PR because the only thing <laughs> yeah, worse is, talked about- is
1: no is no PR yeah. I mean I remember that all that fuss about Corona when we were in coronavirus I mean I still merrily drink Corona because it's a perfectly decent Mexican light beer yeah. but um but I think but I think there is a serious point here which is you know we are in a commer- we are in a business that is about driving commercial success. Yes. My personal belief is that creativity is the thing that will drive better a better chance of commercial success. Yes. I do not believe that putting out, frankly, PAP into the world...
0: But putting it on a million screens. Yeah,
1: will do anything for anyone. Yes. I mean, you can put all the money behind it you like, but if it's still no good, yep. no one's going to pay attention to it. And that's not to say that they're, of course... I'm not a naive person. I know perfectly well that when campaigns go out there, they are there is money put behind them in all sorts of ways. PR and social and influencer, and they are, they are made more of by by the powers we have available to us. But if you don't have something brilliant in the first place, nobody's gonna care. Yeah. Nobody's gonna notice it. And as a CMO or a whatever you are, you're wasting your limited, yes. ever more limited budgets
0: yeah first of all you need attention before anything else and I was uh that I was reminded of that when earlier we were talking about the some of those great ads from the late 90s early 2000s yeah. like you said uh the t- you don't really know you're in a period of greatness until it's over because no, uh, no. at the time no one in the late 90s I totally thought, take it for granted great. as well
1: I mean I remember being at BBH and I was I don't know what I was I came into advertising quite late about 25 and I was maybe 27 to 30 something there and i didn't know i didn't know that that was that was magic People will be I, you, looking and you don't back and you don't, know, no. you don't know you don't know you know afterwards and you're like shit they that was an incredible period mm-hmm. of producing and i think that's the other thing that clients buy actually is is maximizing those chances but it's also about um a level of consistency yes so it's about it's not that Every agency, of course, will be able to consistently produce incredible work. It's that the likelihood of those people in that place at a particular time working together will be more likely to make brilliant work than going to a another place. I mean, you mentioned uncommon, right? And mm-hmm. they are an agency where I go, I don't I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing it well. They're doing something right yes. because they are taking, they're taking I mean, I'm most impressed by them when they take brands that I consider to have be been relatively poor in communications traditionally I'm, I'm going to go out there now and say B&Q, B&Q.
0: yeah
1: I, I did work on it back in the day and B&Q really, reminded
0: me of my granddad before but not inception
1: yeah and it you know it was an incredibly old sort of untu- untouched virtually model of communication it's like oh day in day out we're going to bang on about you know doing up your kitchen or whatever mm. and you know, credit, credit both to the client and to Uncommon that has given us a way of, of, thinking differently about the potential yes. uh in you know DIY. About and, like the
0: cynicism that clients don't want to do things like yeah, that. Yeah.
1: And I think that's incredibly, you know, I I hats off to every everyone involved yeah. because they have given a kick up the ass to um that category. Yeah. Uh, and and again to I think not just to that category, but also to all those categories that sit comfortably Slogging yeah. away, sort of going, God, this is how we do it, and producing largely nothing of any note. Oh yeah, you know? well,
0: as soon as you fall into a habit, you're, it's 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 not original by definition. Uh, and um, no. I think one of the things that was car
1: advertising—that's the one we're all waiting for—driving down
0: a long road in the countryside. Well,
1: car advert—I mean, car advertising ha- has had a number of heydays in the time I've—I've I've never worked on a car brand actually, but it's had it's had a number of heydays in the time that I've worked on advertising. What we're definitely not in now is a heyday. Well, I mean, there's no
0: thing small. There's no no lemon there's, there's no... nothing no yeah there's,
1: there's nothing really out there mm. probably just blown my chances with any oh. car brands but anyway oh, whatever. No, but i'm
0: desperate for another Audi I think I oh, mentioned God, this a yeah. lot as well you know money nothing to be ashamed oh, of Dave. Love that
1: all-time best so i mean if, if ever there's a great strategy that I constantly try and revive it's let's 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 say what who we're not for yeah um it's a hard one but it's a hard one for clients to buy but yeah it's a brilliant brilliant piece of work it's
0: just so funny I showed it to my I showed it to my flatmates in 2020 and we watched it like a comedy sketch we kept replaying yeah. it it yeah. an advert. Absolutely and brilliant. that was where I think I was going with that stuff about the end of the late 90s. You know the BBC's mantra, don't you? Inform, educate, entertain. Yeah. I feel like at the moment, a lot of people's priorities are in that order and yeah. entertainment is, is key.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And it was really interesting. I went to see a thing at ITV the other day, which was um, it's a brilliant, brilliant planner there. I don't know what her title is, but she's called Lucy Crotty and she's just done this incredible piece of research. Nothing to do with creative work, but to do with the mood of the nation and how you unite this... Country that yeah. is in a pretty unified place. And, um, and, of course, what people tell... And they it's a incredibly robust piece of research. You know, they've done qual, they've done quant, and they've split it by Brexiteer, you know, leavers, remainers. They've gone to the furthest reaches of the country. You know, it's not it's not me sitting in a little group in Watford. It's proper. Yeah. Nothing to do with the work, but to do with what people want. Of course, they do it from a point of view of what people want from entertainment. And I don't, it doesn't come as a surprise at all to me. I mean, it's a brilliant piece of research, and she's absolutely brilliant, but it didn't come as a surprise to me that what people want is a bit of relief, right? They don't want you to play back the misery and the doom. They no. want you to give them something that makes them feel good. Yes. You know, yes. that this is. Yes. And, and I think that, I always think that, you know, the idea of. I think you talk about it. I do I did do a little bit of reading about You I think you talk about the power of music to move people. Personally, I think. That is what communications are there to do. If you move people, you will get them to think differently about whatever it is that you are trying to get them to do. And so I think we do that. You do it with music. We do that with words and pictures and music and whatever we have available to us. But the power to move people is what I think we are here to do. And that is always are I think collectively our our ambition I mean we say creativity changes everything and I think that is we we try to I don't know think about that a lot um but definitely I think we're here to try and move people especially when you know they don't they don't care about us I mean music is a thing where people already love music right they care about it they're interested in it they're waiting for Taylor to drop her latest album which conveniently she has done for us all (laughs) but um I love her, by the way. I just think she's, oh, God, all-time genius. Yeah. Um, but um, they don't care about us. They don't care about brands. They don't care about advertising. They don't care about agencies like us. What they care about is stuff that they care about. Yes. And so my job, our job, is to get them to care about the stuff that we are trying to get them to do or stuff that we're getting them to buy.
0: That's really refreshing, again, to hear someone so, uh, so high up and so experienced talking in such straightforward terms because uh, do you know Drayton Bird?
1: Yes, well, I know of them. No, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, he was, uh, for, oh, those, him and then, yeah, yeah. for those watching at home, he was uh, sort of the right-hand man of David Ogilvy when they set up over here. And yeah. he's a very, very good writer, a very smart chap. And I think he's about 105 years old or something. Yeah. But he still, he does podcasts <laughs> every now and again. He's still sharp as a tack. And yeah, um, yeah he, he just did a big uh, missive on LinkedIn at some point saying, I guarantee you no one thinks about or cares about your brand. So stop all these workshops where you're thinking about what does our brand mean to people? Honestly, nothing. Try and entertain them and sell stuff to them. Yeah.
1: And I think that's absolutely right. I There was another interesting... They all come out... It's really interesting, the fact that you've raised Mad Men and sort of the principles in it, because, I mean, I loved it, of course, loved mm. on. Um, but um, I don't think the principles have changed. I tend, I tend well. to think that the the platforms are different, right? Mm-hmm. We've got different access points. And some people would, I remember having, I've had loads of rows about this, about whether digital is a platform or whether it's, <laughs> you know, it's made everything different. My view is platforms are different. Mm-hmm. Ways of getting to people are different. We, you know, social channels are different. But the fundamentals of what we're trying to do here are exactly the same. So I read this quote by another San Francisco 1950s guy called Howard Gossage, I think. And he said, people don't read ads, they read the stuff they want to read. And sometimes if you're lucky, that might be an ad. And, And I think that principle is just absolutely right, exactly right. And everything we're trying to do is to just get people I think to feel something to move them to get them to pay attention in the first place of course and notice us in a sea of stuff that frankly they're not interested in but also in their lives which they're way more interested in than oh, yes. a tube of toothpaste or whatever it is that we're we're trying to flog them <laughs> so um yes I have a fairly well perhaps it's fairly basic but yeah I'm not sure it's it's radical uh, but it is quite simple and it's yeah it hasn't changed much I don't think from yeah.
0: So John Hegarty said exactly that practices change principles remain.
1: Absolutely right and everything that Hegarty, I mean largely everything Hegarty says sorry Sir John I should call him hmm. we always used to call him Hegarty back in the day.
0: Hmm.
1: Um Yeah I, I think he's right I think he's absolutely right Um you know we have to learn to use those things in different ways to move people to get to them to get them to pay attention to us but the principles in the way one operates within them you have to understand them to use them but it's the same it's the same job yeah I think
0: there you go that it doesn't really feel like you could have a much more natural a full stop to the conversation this has been really good this is uh, of course Sophie Lewis chief strategy officer at C Sarchi. do you do any public speaking engagements do you write any books anything like that
1: Oh God, I'm not as grand as anyone else. I'm not big on that. I tend to sort of churn out things which are opinion pieces and on places like LinkedIn and for trade press. Um, but I'm more a, I'm probably more a doing it than talking about it type of a person.
0: Fair enough. So the opposite of Rory Sutherland with <laughs> respect to Rory. Um...
1: Yes, I do always say that. I, I and, and yes, I'm definitely a person who thinks you've got to, you've kind of got to do it. And I think I'm honestly back to, I'm always in pursuit of the magic. Yeah. And frankly, the magic doesn't come from me sitting at home, banging out stuff on my computer. The magic comes from, you know, finding the like-minded people and giving it a go. Oh, yeah. So, um, yes, I'm, a, I'm probably more of, a, more of a trier than a speaker.
0: Let's make let's make that the, uh, the the title of the video, Chris, when we do the edit. In Pursuit of Magic, Sophie Lewis, Chief Strategy <laughs> Officer at m and Saatchi. This has been really good. It's been one of my favourite conversations because uh, I like it when someone's here to talk and not just here to do a, a press release for oh their Oh, God, agency. yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I probably said way too little about M&C. Um, but, um, yeah, you know.
0: Any work you're excited about at the moment you want to talk about?
1: Oh, God, loads. I'm Well, I'm very, oh, God, I'm incredibly overexcited about... Uh, we're just about to put in a brief for LNER, who are a train company. And, oh, my God, I'm sorry excited I can't really say any more than that but I'm excited because I think the briefs in a really interesting place and and whilst of course as I've said briefs are you know there's so much that can go wrong um, I feel like it could. It's also one of those ones where we've already started talking about music, interestingly. Uh, this, is and, a, this is a rail company. Yeah, a rail company. Talk about companies. briefs. They I've got a brief from, in my head. Yeah, they <laughs> run from uh, London to Edinburgh. So it's that part of the country. London to Edinburgh, LNER. Um, yeah, LNER, there you are. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're a rail company. And uh, yeah, we're just about to get going on a, on a brief for them. So um, that's quite exciting. Uh, but yes, again, now I've said that, I'll probably, you know, I've probably cursed it. And that's, I'm slightly superstitious as well. But
0: Well, you know, this is going to be out of date by next week. Uh, we're probably going to try and get this out in a week and a half or two weeks. So if you want to, uh, if you want things to be out of date or to curse things, just predict who's going to be Prime Minister by next Friday.
1: Oh, gosh. Do
0: you want to do that? Well,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to say, oh, Jezza um, is probably it. Although I see Boris is returning. From his holiday to to join in the merry competition, I tell you what, I would. Who's ho- old old
0: Jezzer? Uh, Jeremy Hunt. Oh, you? Th- I I I think he's ruled himself out. But has he? Yeah, they, oh, again, perhaps he has. God, no.
1: I yeah, I don't know. That's probably I'm probably yeah, way yeah, out of date. Because to be honest, I my husband messaged me yesterday and said, "Oh, Liz Truss has gone," and I came downstairs and I've been in a meeting or something, and everybody <laughs> went, "Oh, we know, we've seen all that." So I don't know. Maybe Jeremy, not uh, Boris, is uh, apparently up for it. But what I'm really hoping, of course, is that. Um, I'm probably not supposed to talk about politics. Family. What I'm really hoping is that um, we've had a general. We're about to have a general election, and Keir Starmer is about to win.
0: It seems. It seems palpably absurd, doesn't it, that we're just putting up with basically a um, what do you call it? <laughs> a, tr- a trying on the hats for prime minister contest. Everyone it can feels, have a month.
1: I mean, it really does feel like we are scraping the bottom of the barrel. It's like literally who 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 could we who yeah. could have a go? Well, um, Alistair
0: Campbell mentioned the Dunning Kruger effect on uh, the rest is politics as I was yeah. walking over here, which is where uh, you know people have a propensity to think I-, I could probably do that. Yeah. And it's just saying the people trying to put themselves forward for prime minister have no front bench experience. No, nothing
1: but, at yeah. all. It's incredible that. It, I don't know, it's, but there are probably sort of people in agency life who probably do the same thing which is just go I can never go at that that's that's looking pretty easy but yeah love it for love a, I think it's it's probably time for a general election isn't it
0: I think a lot of the I think a lot of the conservative party are worn out a lot of them don't want to stand again so
1: I mean and also now there's the fear right that you're going to beat Liz Truss and you're going to be less than 44 days yeah. which is a you know pretty pretty shameful thing so yeah. um so yeah, I feel like yeah, it could be could be a left fielder, could come in from somewhere but I can't imagine who that would be.
0: Well, we this this is uh this is a conversation to the future and by the time this comes out we'll know so I look forward to it. But uh, this has been really good. I really would like to come back and do this again because good conversation is always a worthwhile thing irrespective of whatever's happening around it. So thank you Sophie.
1: Thanks for having me. Totally enjoyed it.